This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Of course now, you know, things really move fast. It's a very fast-paced world that we are living in and as your day progresses, you get more and more tired. As the year progresses, you get even more tired, right? And we want to then understand decision fatigue and its implications and what implications are that it has on a person's professional life, on uh, focus on business, and really on your own life, personal life as well. But before we do that, we have to understand what is decision fatigue. Dr. Ilana Siu, industrial psychologist, joining us on the line. Dr. Siu, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thanks for having me, Shekho. So what exactly are we talking about when we talk about decision fatigue? So the first thing is that this isn't a recognized medical condition. It's a phenomenon, which means that it's a situation or experience that people go through, and very often it isn't seen to be recognized. Basically what it is, is the more decisions you need to make in a short period of time, the more exhausted and drained you become. Mm. And not just mentally, but emotionally and physically. So it's, it's as if you become empty. Um, if you start off your day like a bucket filled with water, every decision you make takes a cup of water out of you until that bucket of energy is, energy is completely depleted. Um, and it's unconscious. You don't know it's happening. Sure. What are then the signs that one should look out for? So... Um, What you'll probably see is that the caliber of decision starts to deteriorate, which means that your optimal solution for a business isn't met. Uh, People start to make impulsive decisions. They no longer consider options. Um, They may be confused. Um, You may see a lot of irritation or uh, short temper. Um, And there are also physical signs. You'll see people slouching. They're sighing. They're rolling their eyes when they ask something. They just look tired, you know, the droopy eyes or dark rings under their eyes, might complain about headache, um, may avoid you. Mm. Um, Also procrastinating. I'll deal with it later because I just can't deal with it now. Mm. So those are the signs you'll start to see. I actually thought that you said you will deal with the issue of procrastination later. (laughs) (laughs) So Dr. Sue, those signs, you know, sound like a person that is just tired, that is just Mm. plainly tired. But how then does it work in the way that they want to make decisions, right? Um, How does that affect their actual exhaustion and fatigue? How does that affect their decision-making skills? So, you know, the decision-making, normally when you have to make a decision, you look at various options and you look at the consequences of those options. Uh, What happens when you're in a state of fatigue is that you don't care you reach the point that it doesn't matter what the outcome is, doesn't matter about the well-being of the business or the well-being of others who have confidence in your decisions. Um, So what happens with the fatigue is there's a complete lack of caring. There's um, a lack of mental consideration into what's going on. Um, Very often you'll see that people, they just have a sense of hopelessness and they have what we know as a decision bias. So they go to whatever is most comfortable to them or what is known to them. So instead of looking at new options, mm-hmm. uh, we did this last time. It was okay, so we'll do it again. Uh, so that's the, that's the impact. Hmm. And on, per, on a person's work performance, mm-hmm. you know, someone that is not necessarily an entrepreneur, doesn't have a business, how does it affect decision fatigue, affect them in their workplace? 
So in the workplace, you'll start to see that relationships are damaged. Um, one of the reasons being the short temper, a lot of negativity. Um, and negativity, unfortunately, um, it, it's contagious. So people don't want to be around negative people. Mm. But you will see relationships start to fall to pieces. Um, a sense of control um, where you had the ability to, I know that um, this person's going to be in control. They're autonomous. They, everything's going to be okay. That respect and that status starts to slip. Mm. Um, people just don't want to be around that kind of person. And if someone notices the caliber of decisions starts to uh, go down, you don't ask that person to make the decisions anymore. Mm. And of course, there's always workplace gossip. What um, interventions can be put in place once, you know, let's say an entrepreneur, like mm. I see myself that, sure, I'm not making the right decisions, or even an employer sees that, yeah. you know, things are just not going right because of decision fatigue? So as always, self-awareness is um, the best way to deal with things because the person is looking for help. Um, you know, you sometimes do see denial because it's embarrassing. I don't want to tell you that I can't cope with my job. I don't want to tell you that I'm overloaded. Um, you might think less of me. You might think I'm incompetent. But if you've got someone who does have that self-awareness, they can deal with their own self-well-being. Uh, so things like sleep and exercise and allowing yourself downtime have a phenomenal impact on decision fatigue. Um, also, that way you can start to choose which decisions you can delay until you have more energy, uh, what you can delegate. Um, and that's a decision in itself. So um, if you can limit your actual decisions and have the relationships with others where they can, they can share the decision-making with you um, because otherwise you're unable to detect the impact you have on others. Uh, you know, direct and common interventions are to move environments, to move into nature, um, to try and engage in conversation. Uh, you know, as a psychologist, I'll always go that route to talk. <laughs> You know, open the discussion. Let's see how you feel. Mm. Um, you know, organizing sessions with a professional to work through your emotions and your thoughts and how this limits yours and your team's productivity. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. No, go ahead, Dr. Sue. You can finish your thought. No, it's just, uh, you know, companies can also prioritize what's most important mm. and stretch out the decision-making deadlines that aren't as important. Mm. Mm. So, Dr. Sue, how then do I personally recognize that I'm not just fatigued, but even my decision-making has mm. gone haywire. You know, we hardly look at ourselves and, yes. you know, how we are feeling and what's happening. We always just want to keep going. But how can I recognize that something is not right now? So um, generally, generally people will feel that they just can't cope and that sense of helplessness. Um, but something like even watching um, your own productivity looking at what you get through in a day. If it's possible to look at the company figures, you know, see is the company performing as well as it should be. Um, general, uh, we call it presenteeism. So you're there, but you're not there. And it's the opposite of absenteeism. When you're not at uh, work here, you're there, but you're not really there. Um, and listen to how people are talking to you and, and see their approach to you. Um, also to get input from a team. If you've got the relationship with the team, that's phenomenal. Um, so those are signs that you can start look out, looking out for. Mm. Um, something else you see is people start to eat junk. They start to eat junk. They start to drink more and they start to drink earlier in the day. Um, yeah, it's a self-medication. Mm. 
that sounds very dangerous in itself to already yes. be so tired and then you're going to have junk food that's going to drain you yes. even more um, and have um, alcohol that's going to drain you even more as well. 100%. I mean, like you say, you know, there are other things that people can do going out into nature and so forth. Mm. But, you know, some people also have a tight budget, so they can't necessarily, you know, go to the gym or, you know, clear mm. their mind in that way. A simple walk, Dr. Sue, that could work? So um, I cannot tell you how beneficial a walk is. It, it's been proven that it clears the mind. It's been proven that it um, decreases stress levels. It takes away an anxiety. And it sounds so simple. Also, agreeing, um, not everybody's got the money to go into a gym. But there are national parks um, where you can just go and have a walk and breathe the air. Um, that shift, things like sunshine and cold water, um, decrease anxiety. Mm. And it's so simple and it works. I mean, even with that walk, can it just be if a person has got, of course, the financial means to go into a gym, mm. can it be a walk on the treadmill as well, 30 minutes? Yes, but um, nature is very different to the treadmill. Mm-hmm. In, in the gym, and it's a personal thing. In the treadmill, you've got the pumping music, you've got other people around you, and for some people, they'll find that highly energizing. You know, the more extroverted people will love that. Mm. The more introverted people would rather be alone in nature or with someone they're comfortable with and they don't have to make forced conversation. But both are very, very effective because, you know, they're the endomorphins from exercise and Mm. it doesn't have to be hectic cardio. It can be a walk. Sure. So, you know, now you've spoken to us about the interventions that can be taken, um, like, you know, taking a walk and so forth. But how then can organizations assess the prevalence and impact of decision-making within the the organization and what's happening with the employees? So one of the first things that you said is that we're in a a high-performance culture. Mm. And that's very pertinent in terms of the culture of the organization, where you will see in certain organizations, uh, working hours don't exist. People just keep working till they're finished. So from an organizational point of view, to bring us back to um, it's even the basic conditions of employment, to limit the working hours, to insist that people take breaks, um, and ideally to move away from their desk, not to sit and eat lunch at their desk, um, to almost get a culture of exercise going. You know, if I look at something like paddle, someone spoke to someone who spoke to someone and now it's a whole phenomenon. Um, so to get some kind of uh, well-being uh, exercise program as a culture in your organization, um, you know, and to, to have conversations, not necessarily pointed at an individual, but even how are things going? You know, have a, a short informal meeting. How do you feel you're coping? How are things going? What's going well? What are you struggling with? Mm. Just that people know that there's an outlet. Somebody cares and they can talk. You know, there's the physical workload and then there's the mental load. That to-do list that you never get to that sits at the back of your mind. Mm. And, you know, things like forcing a person to take leave, is that something that companies can also do? So companies can do it. I'll tell you what I often, often hear at a higher level, managerial or executive level, People say it's not worth it to take leave because there's so much work when I get back that I can't cope or when I'm on leave, I can't leave my computer alone, which it's also an an addiction. But again, it comes back to a corporate culture where absolutely people should be forced to take leave because there's a reason why we need leave. Mm. We need to stop. We need to just pull ourselves back. Mm. There's a concept of pulling back to get ahead. 
to just stopping and breathing and you'll do better after that break. Mm. You know, we keep speaking about this high-pressured work environment, Dr. Sue, or life really that we are all living, you know, where you're rushing to one point, rushing to the next, um, and there's always something that needs to be done. But what are some of the best practices for a person personally to be able to promote resilience and really be able to keep going but not um, tire themselves out, if that's even possible? So... Um, again, certain personalities will be more drawn to it than others, but planning what you can plan. So something like meal schedules, um, that's been proven that when you've got to think about what's for supper tonight, it's a big stress. Whereas if you've got some kind of meal schedule and you did your shop and you stick to your budget, because finances often, it adds to the decision fatigue when you know that you, you've got to work because you've got to make money and you've got bills to pay. Um, so planning what you can plan. Uh, planning your budget, planning out your meals, um, getting somebody else to write an agenda for a meeting and sticking to that time limit because the meeting that runs over time stresses you more. Um, And a key element is to prioritize. What matters to me? Is the company going to fall over if I don't make this decision? Um, Is my client going to have a heart attack if I don't get this to them tomorrow? Can I get it to them the next day? Am I doing what makes me happy? Am I feeling fulfilled? You know, to look at that prioritization and say what really matters. Hmm. And it is important to prioritize things, but that in itself can cause a lot of anxiety. Yes. You know, Dr. Sue, I yesterday, just yesterday, last night, it's not even just yesterday, just last night, yes. I wrote a list of everything that I'm supposed to be have done or supposed to at least do within the next week or so. Yes. And it gave me a lot of anxiety ahead mm. of sleep, ahead of me going to bed, Right. Um, So how do I then, I mean, what I've now done is I've just written that long list instead Mm. of putting it in priority form. So how do we make sure that we actually write it in that way to avoid the anxiety and to avoid the feeling of I'm already tired before I even start with the work? Yeah, yeah. So um, firstly, it's great that you made the list because one of the things that uh, people struggle with is I have so much to do, I don't know what to do. Mm. But if you can get that out of yourself, if you can write it down, then for a lot of people, they stop obsessing because now they know they're going to do it, they've written it down. Um, so yes, prioritizing, just numbering one, two, three, four, five. Something that I often recommend to people is do the low-hanging fruit. Do the things that you can tick off quickly and easily that aren't going to take a lot of time and energy so that your list starts to shorten. The reality is you'll always add things to that list. Mm. Uh, but if you can knock things off, then it's not 20 things. It comes down to 12 or 10. Um, and then how long roughly will this take me? And, you know, there's also the principle that your work will stretch to however much time you have. So if you've got one hour to complete a document in, you'll take an hour. If you've got three hours to complete it, you'll take three hours. Mm. So to try and limit the amount of time you give yourself to do something, because how much better would it really be if you take the extra time? Mm. And, you know, you spoke, you spoke earlier about people actually talking, you know, that, listen, mm. I'm feeling tired. But that won't always be seen as a positive trait when yeah. you can admit that you are feeling mm. a little bit drained. And I suppose then that's why we would come to Dr. Sue, right? Because there's no judgment. <laughs> no, no judgment. <laughs> and we are able to happily talk about it. But how then, and I suppose we shouldn't even be having to think about phrasing this, especially with people mm. that, you know, you love and people that you care about, that you want to share about how you're feeling. But is there 
there a way that we can phrase it so that it does not come about as though we are lazy, especially this time of the year? I mean, it's yes. just the beginning of the year, but some people are already feeling so tired. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Because the year has started with a bang. Mm. You know, I, I think, yes, certainly they're non-judgmental environments, something that certainly arisen, it started with the millennials, it's very prominent with the Gen Zs, is the, the importance of well-being, the importance of your mental health and taking time and people speaking very openly, which is fantastic. It's one of the great things that generation has brought in, but certainly also to reframe. So instead of saying to someone, I'm absolutely exhausted and I can't cope, um, to reframe it in terms of I've got a lot of immediate tasks to do and a lot of choices that I have to make and I'm not quite sure where to start on it. And that, that starts a conversation. It's not saying um, I'm exhausted or pathetic or anything like that. It's just saying there's a lot going on. Um, and I'm feeling a little bit, uh, little bit hectic. Everyone's feeling that way. Mm. It just opens that conversation. I think most people would choose quite carefully who they, they speak to. You don't want it to be a career-limiting move. Absolutely. Definitely don't want that. So how then do we measure, Dr. Sue, the efficacy of interventions aimed at reducing decision fatigue? And then how do we adapt these strategies based on the outcomes and ensure that they give us a longer solution to decision fatigue? So um, the first thing would be to, um, to look either in every job. You've got figures, you've got levels of productivity, the numbers of phone calls you make, the, the number of sales. Um, are there less accidents? Are there, is there less irritability, less temper? Um, are people engaging more with others? Are their relationships healthy? Do they um, act autonomously? Are they making their own decisions? Um, do they give the impression, and that's important, give the impression that they've got a sense of control? Um, and also just to... to Check in terms of how, how good is the intervention, things like light and temperature and noise in the office environment. Is that working for people? And then always to directly ask, how are you doing? And do you think that this is working? And if it's not working, what should we change? There might be a slight problem with that how are you doing question, right, yes. Dr. Sue, for some people. Yes. Because depending, of course, on their employer mm-hmm. or what type of manager they have, um, or what type of lover they have even, yes. they might yes. feel that they're not being listened to or it's just a question yeah. to ask just to pass it out the way. So how can one feel I'm actually being mm. asked this out of genuine care and so my yes. response should be one that would um, help the next person understand yeah. where I'm at. So that's a very, very important point and thank you for making that. Um, you know, if, if it can't be how are you doing, um, it could be what's working well and what can we do better, which takes it away from the personal and objectifies it. Um, do you think there's anything the company can do to help the employees? Yeah, again, take it away. People will use themselves as a frame of reference. They will, even if they say it's not about themselves, they need to identify with it before they speak. Mm. And as you say, absolutely in the personal life too. Um, in the personal life, you don't want to tell someone you, you're not coping because sometimes then you can't give them the time and attention that they want and you don't want to lose that relationship. Mm. Um, but again, from where I come from, if the relationship is solid and stable, you should be able to be having these conversations, not necessarily showing all your vulnerability, but at least being able to say things, things are a little bit crazy at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a very hectic two weeks ahead. Mm. 
Thank you for that, Dr. Sue, and really for unpacking this and how we can also speak out about how we are feeling, especially around being tired. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Dr. Ilana Sue, industrial psychologist, they're speaking to us about decision fatigue, how to make those right decisions, even though you are, you may be feeling tired, but the explanation as well about decision fatigue. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.